0: I remember a friend, she told me that her father lived in Xi'an and back in the day, it was common that when he came home in the evening, his face was basically black. People often reject to believe what they don't understand or what scares them. With Dragonfolio China, you have the unique chance to truly understand a frequently misconceived country and an inevitable shift in the 21st century. Just lean back and enjoy a fascinating journey through China that will astonish and reward you. All right, Hao guys, and a very warm welcome to the next episode of Dragon for Your China. My name is Eric, and today I will talk about reason number three, why you should care more about China. In the first episode, I mainly talked about Chinese people and their influence. The last episode was about AI, which was the technical layer, and today i I will talk about the environment. And I know environment in regards to China is one of the, if not the most crucial topic. And I can't wait for all the comments below because I know that some people still imagine China being a country full of smoking factories, all people wearing face masks all the time. And so today I try to approach this topic from a more neutral perspective and from what I really know and see. Let's not open the discussion here though on the causes and consequence of global warming here. What you and me might both agree on is that environmental protection is increasingly important and things must change. And speaking of changes, what is the problem with changes? Changes are often forced through joint decisions, but as history has reliably proven again and again, the only thing you can be sure is that somebody or several member states in this case gonna break it. It's really hard to find one common way that fits all and one over regulation and approach. And that is because people, institutions, companies, countries, they only sustainably change once they have a really good incentive Or incentives. And China so far did not have these kind of incentives in terms of environmental protection. Earlier, China never realized such kind of need to really care about the environment. And the funny thing is that the reason that we in the West have these kind of green movements, so we care really about the environment. The only reason why we care now is because we didn't care in the past either. All these developed and industrialized nations had a very similar attitude not long ago we gave a shit about the environment to be honest and this is why we can now let's take my home country Germany again the heavy manufacturing and the coal mining really damaged the nature and we still suffer from this today and especially the nature there's a high price for this to use a economic term here that is also called the environmental Kuznets curve. So countries are first poor, then you damage, and then you clean up. And in the past, China's economic progress had a clear priority over the environment. But this has changed recently since people realized that pollution is not just hurting their health, but also the economic development. And yes, that sounds a bit sad because sometimes people First have to see it from a financial angle before they change something. But that is how humans work. So China's cost for being the proud factory of the world is health and environment. And another reason why China did not care is that a lot of land in China is public owned. So nobody really took responsibility for the land as it did not really represent its interest. What are the consequences of neglecting the environment in China for years? Well, first of all, the lung cancer rate in China is extremely high. One third of the world's lung cancer patients are in China and that's not because of smoking. Chinese smoke a lot, yes, but mainly responsible for lung cancer rate is the environment. Then of course the CO2 emissions are extremely high. China is the number one country before the US and has almost twice the emissions. Per capita, by the way, China is not the number one. There are few countries which are ahead of China. But still, since China accounts for around 20% of global emissions, they have, of course, an extra responsibility. And while most industrial countries within the past 30 years have remained pretty constant with their CO2 emissions, China's have further increased, which is a typical development for emerging countries. And although it's still an issue, The curve overall has slowed down because, well, first of all, growth overall in China slowed down, but also there's a change in perception of the environment and a change in mindset. And that today makes China already a global leader in a lot of green technologies, which we often are not aware of. Most cities have reduced emissions a lot and improved the air quality significantly. I remember a friend, she told me that her father lived in Xi'an and back in the day, it was common that when he came home in the evening, his face was basically black because of all the dust and dirt and smog. And this is not the case anymore. You barely find this. You have still a few really polluted cities in China, but it's changing rapidly. And the main reason here is that China replaced A lot of the coal factories already buy gas, which is much cleaner. But of course, it's not just about emissions. It's about the overall air quality to effectively protect the environment, not just the air, of course. And as I said, China right now is leading in almost all green technologies already. They are the leader in solar energy, which to my mind is one of the most still most underrated technologies that we have in the field of energy. More of half of the annual growth in solar energy takes place in China. Also, they're really advanced in wind and hydro energy. And what they manage with their innovation strengths is to bring the costs of these energy sources really down. So in the future, it's more attractive that you actually use it rather than the fossil energies. Of course, just because you use wind, hydro and solar, it doesn't mean that's all good because it comes with a few downsides as well you normally have to somehow interfere with nature as well. You have to change river systems, for example. So I know that not just because you put a green label on it means it's awesome, but overall it's still much better than burning the soft coal. Apart from all these environmental initiatives and finding new sources of energy, China is also enforcing regulations in cities very strictly. For example, the number of cars is strictly limited. I just came back from a trip to Shenzhen, and that is probably the strictest cities when it comes to regulating cars. A license plate here nowadays can easily cost you 10,000 US dollars, so it's really expensive to bring new cars on the road, especially if they're not electric vehicles. Then you have new programs like, for example, garbage separation. That is something we grew up with that. But even in the West, it's not something that existed for, for centuries, right? And now it's actually quite funny to watch how people deal with it. And China is, especially in in Shanghai and so on, where they um, established these programs first, they really enforce it nowadays and they care about this now. Additionally to these regulations, China is also subsidizing a lot. So electric vehicles, e-scooters, e-buses, bike sharing, this is all really big in China. In, it's almost, for me, it's almost dangerous now in a Chinese city because you don't hear the scooters anymore. They're all electric. Bike sharing. I use bike sharing almost every day in China and it's super convenient. And when they came up with this some years ago, which was really big, some people were really pissed because you can find them everywhere and some people find it annoying. But there was an indirect clear commitment keep the bikes because that's good for our environment and moreover China of course invests a lot in its infrastructure such as high-speed trains, um, subways and lately also monorails which are also way more environmental friendly than let's say taking cars, taxis or other means of transportation that cause a lot of emissions. So there's a lot going on But does that mean everything is awesome and great already and China is a green country? Of course not. So the amount invested for environmental protection, for example, is still pretty low compared to other countries. But I believe it's not really about how much you spend, it's about how you spend. As a matter of fact, air pollution in China remains a problem. And the World Health Organization still publishes a list with the most polluted cities in the world. And a decent amount within the top 100, by the way. A decent amount is still in China. The top 20 is pretty dominated by India nowadays. But China has still a lot of cities. They're moving further down the list, which is a good sign. But they're still not where they want to be. And they have their own standards for cities and often don't actually meet them themselves. But their official targets set for politicians and set for cities and people have to reach them. So China is quite serious about this. The principal cause of air pollution in China is still burning soft coal and especially in the north and during winter there's a problem because you cannot just let people freeze and you cannot just say okay from tomorrow on we all use solar energy it doesn't work like this right the problem is not just the excessive quantities but also inefficient equipment so that's something that has to be replaced and China is about to do that and so far you might think okay Eric that's that's China but why would I care well Of course, China also has a lot of agricultural issues. And that leads to contaminated soil. And there are a lot of products in China that are exported to all places in the world. And if you still say, I don't care, then you should know that we are constantly fooled by the food industry making us believe that the tomatoes, mushrooms and garlic on our pizza are from Italy, when in fact most of these products nowadays are from China. The regulations on vegetables and fruits for imports are very loose. When it comes to meat, it's very strict. And in China, they have nowadays a lot of really efficient and effective control measurements themselves. But what's the problem? China can control the big estates. I wouldn't really worry about these. But of course, they cannot control each small farmer. And because of the structure, China is still consisting of a lot of small estates, small farmers delivering to the big wholesalers or to other bigger estates, and it's just not possible to have sufficient control here and you can just say okay then i don't eat it it's not really obvious always where your vegetables and fruits are from and we are at a point now where we can not afford anymore to say hey let's stop importing food from china it's not possible our demand is way too high and too much depending on china so let's draw a sort of conclusion here china has done more than any other country lately To ramp up green technologies. It's part of their overall modernization and of their overall growth. They're kind of going back to the relationship with the environment, which is actually a central part of the Taoism. So harmony with nature is a part of Chinese philosophy initially, although it got lost during the last century. Environmental protection is a mindset thing and a decision that every person and every country has responsibility for. You cannot just enforce it and you cannot just control it by regulations. You have to build up true incentives. But if you look globally, of course, then the change we need and the success in this field, which is so desperately needed, can only be achieved if you have constructive partnerships between countries and between nations. And if you, for example, see that China has a lot of green technology, and in the last episode I talked about AI, even AI can be applied here in a very smart way in a lot of areas. So China, of course, has also responsibility with AI and with their advanced technology to exchange. And only with the regular exchange of knowledge and innovation can we really prevent what is maybe the largest threat for humanity in the next decades we should not see it always as a trade-off it's always for us development economy versus the environment i think we should see it separately and the greater mobility we have nowadays the more varied diet the living space the increased personal possessions they should not come at the cost of environment and there are ways to get both under one roof and to improve both. But of course, it takes a lot of effort here, and we really must steer all the advantages that we have into the right direction within the next years. I want to end up this episode with a quote again. It's from Stuart Adele. Plants to protect air and water, wilderness and wildlife are, in fact, plants to protect man. And that's it for this episode. If you want to support me in my channel, please leave me a five-star rating on your podcast app and share it with other folks. I think it's a really important topic, so more people should listen to it. Thanks for that, and I'll see you in the next episode.